So recently, I've been extremely picky about the candles that I keep around the house. A lot of home fragrances don't really smell natural. They're not really sweet and have a lot of chemicals. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and just toxicity in the air, that has changed the way that I select the candles that I keep in my house. And that's why I'm so glad that Notes Candles exist. They're on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up high-quality fragrance that smells amazing. The candle industry has a major problem, which is almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year in almost all of them. And I mean all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next one million years. That's right. A million. Insane. But Notes Candles has created a solution. They have a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again. So you don't become a part of the problem. And it's so easy to use. The candles are made with fragrance wax beads. So all you have to do is place the wick in your reusable Notes jar, fill it up with wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then do it all over again. And you're ready for a new one. And you don't have to settle for less exciting fragrances with notes either. In fact, their collection of almost 13 fragrances are handcrafted by fragrance experts at their home base in South Carolina that are insane. I have a few of these here. Me and Jordan have been using them and I love it. Me and Jordan both are really big candle users, ironically, and so we can't get enough of this. And they have all these interesting one-of-a-kind fragrances like oak milk, vanilla, pepperwood, potassio, rose water all of them are amazing so be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality fragrance by making the switch to notes you can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandles.com slash just different right now notes is giving our listeners 15 percent off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using code just different just use code just different when placing your order that's code just different at notescandle.com dot com slash just different yo what's up welcome back to another episode of the just different podcast where we talk everything faith life and culture i'm your host darren starks and in today's episode i'm joined by john diggs who is far from a stranger to this platform but for those who don't know he is a content creator graphic designer and owns his own clothing brand called center to same and in this episode i sit down and talk to him about this idea of boring testimonies we actually did an episode a while back called It's Still Proof around this idea. And it essentially is there's a lot of people who may have had the privilege of growing up within the church, maybe not always following God, but they did know him. And they hear other people's testimonies and they feel as if their testimony about how God kept them isn't enough. And they may have not had some rag to riches story about how they were down and out and God dragged them out of some huge pit or they didn't have to go through these very traumatic or emotionally intense circumstances in terms of how they came to God. And so it feels as if it's not enough. And that can make them feel as if they want to create a testimony for themselves. So we break down and explain how God will and can use everyone's story for his glory to impact the kingdom and bring people to salvation. So you never have to try and like over-exaggerate your story or try to make one for yourself because the one God's giving you is just enough and he's going to use it just as anyone else's. So that's the bulk of this conversation, but we actually start with digging into the difference between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord and understanding what true lordship is and what it means to really give your life to Christ before we get into it. But I really enjoyed this and I hope you all do too. So let's tap in. So like, what is the difference between 
like God as Savior and then Him as Lord. So it's so easy to be caught up in God is my Savior. You know, I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. I'm not going to hell. Jesus didn't die for us to just not go to hell. He died for us to have heaven on earth. You know, uh, um, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only way that his will is being done on earth is if we're submitted to him every day. Matthew 6, 33, seeking first the kingdom of God, right? If we're not allowing him to dictate our lives, then we're not allowing him to be Lord over our lives. And the Bible actually references him as Lord like 200 times in the New Testament versus Savior, like 60 to 90 times, but significantly less. And so we always overemphasize the aspect that Jesus saved me from my sins, but great. Now he wants to tell you what to do with your life. And so if you're not understanding that dynamic, that understanding that he's supposed to do, you're supposed to do what he says on a daily basis. Like I was reading through the New Testament and I was just amazed at the number of times I saw Jesus himself say, not my will, but your will be done. Or I'm only doing what my father told me to do. Like Jesus himself was submitted and he saw he saw God as Lord, right? God the Father is Lord. And that's how we're supposed to interact with him. He's supposed to have control over what we do, what we say. But a lot of people, they're just comfortable with saying, oh, he saved me. Yeah, I have grace from my sin. I have grace for my sin. So like, even if I mess up, it's cool. You know, he's going to forgive me. I'm still going to have it. It's not why I came. It's not why I came. So how did your life change whenever that transition really hit from him being Savior to Lord? Like, what did you see practically maybe like in your day to day or what you felt like you were more intentional in? Because like, even if it wasn't necessarily conscious or you had language for it at the time, it was like, all right, like, yo, he is, he's Lord now. And this is what, how I'm about to move. I think the most challenging thing was whenever I was reading First John 3. So whenever I was reading First John 3, it talks about how a child of God does not sin. Now that passage is talking about practicing sin. But like at that moment, I was just like, wow, if we're called to be like Christ, if we're called to be like God, if we're called to be in his image and God hates sin and I'm over here comfortable in my sin. Am I even a believer? It really just had me spiraling in terms of like who I was and what I really thought and what I believed. And so I started realizing I was like, I am way too comfortable in my sin to be like 100% that I'm a Christian. And right. so that was that challenging thing where I was like, okay, let me start actually actively fighting my sin rather than being comfortable. And that's where I saw the biggest difference was when I started saying, okay, now let me find my sin. Now let me pray without ceasing, asking more and more about certain things in my lifestyle, like actually coming to him. Um, giving him permission to lead my life on a daily basis rather than just waking up, going about my day and doing whatever I want. No, yeah, that's huge. And I think that goes back to what you mentioned earlier with um, when it comes to like head and heart knowledge or at least it, it changing or transitioning. Mm -hmm. So I think I've even seen that with myself when that transition happened because it really does make a difference because you invite him into like every aspect of your life, like every decision, every move, every relationship is now just not, it really is like his will, which some people don't always like really get to or understand, but no, that's huge. So the next thing is really going back to your testimony. Was there really like any point in time, of course, like just with you growing up in the church um, and of course having that maybe aspect of like pressure to be like perfect or maybe like to pursue perfection that you felt as if like what you had gone through wasn't enough in terms of sometimes I feel as if there can be this culture in this church subconsciously that there's this competition between people's testimonies and stories. And so yeah. during like testimony service, maybe you'll see someone who has had that story of going from, you know, being strung out and or addicted to this and then like God delivering from that or like losing it all to God, like restoring them back to where they're at. And that can be what's highlighted that's put on the forefront 
and just kind of like seen on a platform, but like maybe someone who's like just being able to like remain steadfast and it's been more of a progression. It's not always seen. And so some people can think that it may not be validated or appreciated or even like honored as much as someone who's like had this, you know, very like sensational story, you could say. Right. So I'm coming from an old church where the pastor, he was a gang banger, you know what I'm saying? Going around sleeping with women, going around dealing drugs, all kinds of stuff. But God radically transformed his life. I'm talking about God came in his room, spoke to him, all kinds of crazy stuff. Me, never happened. Don't know what that feels like. Anyways, his son, however, he was raised up in the church and his son was raised up as um as like the example for us. He would always talk about the things that his son was doing and how he raised up his son to be a believer and that his testimony was how God kept him. So I was raised up in an environment where I knew it was okay, but I also still struggle with the fact that I didn't have this crazy testimony. So people would be like, what's your testimony? I'm like, I don't know. Um, but then I started, <laughs> I started understanding like God's testament of his goodness is, is still a testament in itself, right? We're testifying to God's goodness. Him keeping me is a testament of his goodness. And there's still things that I struggle with, you know, um, the Bible tells us that all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So there's some area that I've missed it in that somebody else has missed it in and me telling them how, you know, God brought me through or what God's done in my life in that area is still going to help them somehow, some way. So it's like, yeah, my testimony isn't crazy. Yeah, I wasn't out here just wilding out in the streets. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that my story isn't going to bless somebody. And so I started understanding, like, I hone in on, I hone in on identity, right? Identity doesn't sound like it's that crazy um, story that, you know, like, oh, I struggle with my identity and this guy's like game banging. It's like, okay, his story sounds like, you know, it's significantly worse or whatever. But everybody struggles with identity. Everybody struggles with validation to some extent. I don't care who you are. And so really understanding that, you know, God made me as a believer, as a child of God, as all these things that it says in the word, um, I hone in on that when I share my testimony. So I say, like, I don't have to fit in with people around me. I don't have to go with the cultural norms. And that's been a big thing because the kids in my group in this past camp, they were like, hey, I struggle with identity too. Some of them from Memphis, you know, some of them from Chattanooga, some of them, these kids that are in environments where they come home from camp and they're hearing shootouts, they're coming home from camp and kids got their car breaking into. Like I had a kid who said, <laughs> he was funny, bro. It's not funny, but it's funny. He said, <laughs> he said they broke into his car and left the 20. So they thought he was so broke that they, he needed the 20 more than them. That's so, crazy. <laughs> But yeah, these are kids that seemingly I wouldn't relate to, but they were still able to say like, hey, like, thank you for sharing your story. Like, you know, I never felt like it was okay to be who I was. So I had to put up this facade and, you know, fit into this culture around me because everybody else was doing it. So, you know, there's going to be something that you struggle with that is universal to everybody or somebody. No, definitely. And that's something that me and Jordan say all the time is basically that your testimony is God's proof. And I think sometimes people can have this pressure when they're evangelizing or maybe just sharing their own story of like trying to make it more relatable for God. Or even mm -hmm. when it comes to preaching the gospel, like we think that we need to put like our own spin on it to make it reach more people. to like maybe like compromise it, like water it down or even like when it comes to our own stories, maybe even just like fabricated to try and like reach more people when like, like you said, it comes down to what you have and what you've gone through is going to be for a particular set of people. And mm -hmm. it's going to like reach them where they're at to no matter what they're struggling with or like whether you see it as relatable or not. 